This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, everyone. My name's Travis Wright. I'm the general manager at Esther & Co. And what I love about online retail is that it's never-ending and it's forever changing. I think there's always more to learn and more to do from a retailer's perspective. And then on the other side, as a consumer, it's getting more personalized every day. And so your shopping experiences are also continuously getting better. My name's Olivia Carr and I'm the founder and CEO of Silk. And what I love about online retail is, or e-commerce, is that literally I'm such a big thinker and I love massive, audacious, big goals, which coming from a background in corporate retail, I felt I could never execute because you've got too many people that need to be involved. Get an online store, get an e-commerce and you can literally make or try and attempt to make anything possible. So that's always fun. Social advertising. Social marketing continues to surprise in its integration of innovation and creativity. Generating compelling, authentic, and meaningful engagement is key for retail social success. And while there's no set formula for any organization, it's highly beneficial to hear from those who are raising the bar on impactful content creation. We're on location in front of a live audience at online retailer in Sydney, Australia. And coming up, you'll hear what's required in 2020 to curate relevance and depth in social communication and what role, if any, social impact and charitable giving can and should have on success. You're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the fashion industry. Recorded on location. All right, Olivia and Travis, thank you very much, both of you, for being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having us. All right. And also joining us on Mike, a uh, surprise guest host, Mr. Oliver Rhodes. He is the head of growth for a really cool company uh, I'll, I'll share more about with you in just a moment called PeopleVox. And uh, let me tell you, Oliver, glad to have you on the mic with us. Thank you very much. All right. So uh, Olivia and Travis, we are here at the 11th edition of Online Retailer Conference and Expo. It's Australia's biggest industry event packed with the latest insights, trends, tech innovation, and retail solutions. Okay. Let's compare notes a little bit, shall we? So Esther and Co., it's fun stuff, trips, charities, influencers. You guys have like 221,000 followers on Instagram. Your CEO is, uh, amongst many things, a vegan foodie uh, and a health nut. Mm-hmm. Or I shouldn't say nut, a health expert, <laughs> an advocate. Yeah. And, um, and, and the, the brand is really referred to as an online oasis. Uh, at least as part of its descriptor. And you have in-house design labels uh, as well as other boutique brands that you've curated, okay? And then we have Silk, which uh, primarily is silk pillowcases, really fine, nice silk pillowcases. You also boast a hefty 91,000 followers on Instagram, you're empowering women to love, support, and raise each other up. You've partnered with I equals change. 
And a dollar of every purchase goes to the charity of your choice. So again, with the charity. So the question is, both of your brands seem to have two things in common, a sense of having fun with your community and a set of core values that are in the DNA of that community conversation. And there's a social impact or charity mission that's built into the actual commerce process for both of you. So I want to ask both of you, is this how your brands evolved organically? Or do your brands both see this recipe as essential to success in general? Um, I would definitely say it's both of those things. Uh, you know, Esther & Co. was founded in 2004 by Talita White. And when she initially founded the brands, it was with the vision that eventually it would lead to helping global social change. And that's where the brands evolved to today. We have charity and charity missions, and that's a huge part of who we are as a brand and our brand heart, and our customers know that. But it also, I feel in that degree, it has to be something authentic. So that's where for us, it was from the vision from the start. But even if brands decide 10 years after they're founded to start a charity leg of the brand, I think that's amazing. I think that's what it's all about. And I really feel that customers want to see that. And they also can resonate with it because I think everyone nowadays is looking for that greater purpose. So if someone can come alongside a brand and they know that by buying with your brand, they're ultimately giving back, then that adds value to them and to their life. So, and I'd say um, nowadays, so we first started utilizing paid advertising in 2014. So the brand went all online in 2011, started utilizing paid advertising just in 2014. And from there, um, it's grown tremendously. So over 100,000 on Instagram. Um, but we did grow or very organically um, since 2004. Um, and nowadays, we look a lot to our giveaways and um, just to other areas of what can we give our customers on our social channels. So it's not all about us. It's not all about our products on our social channels, but it's also what can the customer get from following us on the variety of channels that we are showcasing today. So through giveaways and exclusive promotions are two of the ways that we do that for our customers because there needs to be a balance. It needs to be a symbiotic relationship as to, you know, why are they following us? It's not just so we can talk at them all the time, but it's so that it can be that conversational dialogue that's going. Um, and we find one of the best ways to do that is by giving them things or value or trips, for example, like you mentioned. Uh, okay, so I guess a lot of people probably don't know this about our brand. Obviously, the, the name is incredibly hard to say and, and you're not the only one that ever asks if you say it correctly. But in actual fact, when I launched this brand in 2015, it was very, um, I guess the name was really well thought out. So the sh behind our brand name came originally from the fact that I have a background in, um, I guess, from the National Breast Cancer Foundation, so I'm massive on, like, philanthropy and, and giving back and just the greater being and purpose. So when I launched this brand, obviously coming up with the name is incredibly hard, but coming up with the purpose is, I guess, the easy part, but then blending that with the name is the, is the challenge. I launched the brand and what we would do is after every purchase, we would actually have a little card inside the package which had, Shh, we'd like to now share a secret with you and that is that your purchase has just given school supplies to an orphan in Tigray. Now, why did I do this post-purchase and not before? It is because I have come from the charity background and I think one of the things that I discovered looking at it from a commercial perspective is I really didn't like, my role was in charge of corporate sponsorships, so getting million-dollar you know, deals from brands 
I guess, you know, to raise research for breast cancer. What I found that I didn't like about, I guess, that side of things was that people would tend to turn a product pink for a month and that was their kind of like give back or that was their, in some cases, almost, you know, corporate tick the box for the year and it was done. For me, that felt very transactional. It didn't feel like it aligned to the corporate's purpose and I it just my moral compass was, it just didn't sit well with me. So reflecting back when I started this brand, I was like, well, I want to make sure that our experience and our corporate giving is humble, is not used as a way to actually get you to purchase, but you actually find out about it post-purchase. So that was really nice for us. And we we used that, um, I guess, that strategy, if you like, or that tactic for many years. The issue then became that we were finding more and more feedback from our customers that this is amazing what you're doing. Like we've done so many things outside of um, orphans that, you know, until coming up, we're actually redoing our website where you'll get to see the history. You know, we've done things where we've helped the homeless, where we've, um, you know, contributed to reopening um, libraries in Tigray and, you know, among many things. And if you're new to our brand and you do come into our Instagram, what you probably know us for is the fact that a lot of celebrities love our brand, which is kind of the marketing side of our business, which again, doesn't align necessarily to our company values, which is where we started about being about purpose. So as a brand three and a half years old, we're currently undergoing a major transformational change to now start to showcase to all of our customers, particularly our current customers, not necessarily the new ones, but the ones that have been with us from the beginning. You know what? We, we listen to you. We love your feedback. And yes, we are proud. And now we're actually going to start, you know, that's why we launched with I equals change, because we're actually proud to say that we do care about charity and it's a huge part of, of why we exist. And, um, you know, without that, without purpose you you literally are just a product so and that's that's not what i started it for so yeah i love that so much and by the way i think there's a real opportunity to call that a showcase yeah right so that i mean that's that's that'd be cool yeah. uh so i i've not had an experience uh with a like the way that you do it after someone's bought it's like uh it's almost like when you go to a restaurant and then you've already paid the bill and they come back and give you something else that you weren't expecting like it's that extra little thing mm. I think that you know I think it's a really really clever idea I think for anyone anyone who genuinely wants to do something that's not you know something authentic yeah. it's a really really neat strategy that mm. people could people could use um, and I I agree with you I can totally empathize with you saying that you know people turning something pink for a month yeah, we see that so much. Or yeah. Yeah, you see it as well with like half-assed sustainability stuff where it's like you know, they're portraying that they're going green or they're doing something for the environment and you know that their whole supply chain and everything else they're doing just isn't going to align to that in any way at all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked uh, what you said there as well, Olivia, just regarding you know, a brand's vision and purpose, it's it's more than a month long. Yeah. And the same note that Ollie just mentioned as well. And I think that's where you have to genuinely mean it. Customers can see right through it if you don't. And it's going to negatively impact your business. Yeah. So I would say just to find out exactly what you are passionate about, it doesn't have to be something you feel like a trending topic. It just needs to be something that you genuinely believe in and that you want to help create change for. And then have your brand support that. It's, there's no cookie cutter outline for it. I think it's just, um, it needs to be genuine and something that you're passionate about and your customers will see that and it will resonate with them as well. Yeah. 
And I definitely think brands that embrace, um, you know, doing good for society, there's a lot of substance to that. And I, I think this has been a, a crazy week with, you know, Instagram and the whole like, oh, turning the likes off. As a brand, we weren't shy. We put a post up saying, you know, we're all for that. We think it's incredible because now people can focus on, you know, mental health and well-being. But what was interesting about that is, again, the reason why we've flipped now to let customers know about our charity component is because... If you do keep it a secret, whilst it was really beautiful to do it post-purchase, it actually then has, you know, the the opposite effect where people might look at your brand and think, well, there's no substance to it because you just have celebrities wearing your stuff and, like, who cares? So for us, it was really, I guess, it was the right time for us to now switch that all up and, and start being proud of what we do to give back. How do you, how do you go, how are you thinking about going through a rebrand? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually more than the branding. It's, it's like, it's like... Um, how you think about us, you're trying to orchestrate that or recalibrate that a little bit, I yeah. think, right? How do you do that without it seeming self-serving? Yeah. How, as opposed to just like, okay, something failed, so we're rebranding. Yeah. And then it makes people doubt you. So I or- think, yeah, the way that we tackled that is, look, I do think this is quite unique um, for a brand. I, I don't know any other brands that are probably as open and genuinely transparent as we are. And I think there's enough people at this conference that if you were to go up and ask anyone that knows me well, you know, does she really tell you everything about her business? I mean, I literally do. So transparency is one way that I've been able to tackle that because to your point, this isn't something that we're just doing for six months and then in six months we're going to shut the doors again. So we started this with a very well thought out, you know, who are we? What are we about? You know, we're, we're so proud that we've survived the first three and a half years of business. And now that we know we're here for the long game, like this year we made our first profit as a business and I'm so proud about that. Congratulations. Um, you know, lots of people talk about their revenue and their income and that's, that's great, but not many people share when they actually do make profit or if they don't make profit, which is also fine as well. Like it's, it's totally cool and doesn't mean you're not a good company or a good brand if you're not making profit. Um, but one of the things is we decided, you know, any question is up for an answer. Like you can literally come onto our Instagram and ask any question at, at different times. We have a new thing called Pillow Talk, which is Ask Me Anything for the CEO. And I literally get in our studio in the office and I answer questions. And some of them are financial. Some of them are about our revenue. Some of them are about how many supporters. Some of them are about exactly how many, you know, packs did we send to Tigray. I am literally running this business as an open book. Um, I mean, we just signed on a marketing agency for the first time, which was super scary and exciting. And I remember having our first meeting with them and they're very well known in Australia. And I literally gave my P&L and I was like, you know what? This is us. This is everything. No secrets. You can have the good, the bad. And this is before we'd made profit. And they're like, wow, we've never had a retailer share their P&L with us. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't, I don't have anything to hide. Like, this is a partnership. We need to grow. This is our starting point. So you need to see warts and all. This is us. And they were absolutely floored by that. But I think, to, to your point, that's, it's not even a strategy. It's, I'm just leading this brand as an extension of myself. And there has to be integrity. There has to be openness. And I just, like, to your point before, I am all about empowering women. And I mean that. It's not just a fancy tagline. Like, you know, anyone that comes through our private DMs and asks for advice, competitors as well. Like I've helped people in the silk industry, direct competitors to me, and I have given them advice. I've told them how to reduce pricing. You know, I have, I have all of this. So I'm just here to, to help as much as I can and have a good time doing it. So, yeah. I think that being that openness, like speaking from the other side in those relationships where you are in those situations, um, the advantage that you have is like from my side is I see lots and lots of different companies 
And the ones who are super open, like you are, they're so much easier to help because you really know what's going on. You can give a, like, mm. advice that's relevant. I think that will just pay back for you like, yeah. over and over again. Like, the, more the more your company scales and it gets more complex. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. And it's a lot easier to run a business just being yourself. Like, seriously, like, you don't have to act like you're killing it all the time. Like, you know, no one's killing it all the time. No question. I promise you. No question. You know, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got in life, which was actually about acting, as a, uh, like as an actor as opposed to business, but I've applied it to business, which is don't ever try to be the person or the business that you think other people want you to be. Yeah. You have to approach it being you. And if they don't want you right now, it's okay. But if you're you and you do a great job at it and you're, you're genuine, you approach everything that way, when they want someone like you, they will definitely come to you because no one can do it like you. Yeah. So I love that you're talking about just leading with your real self. And it's more than this, you know, buzzword authenticity. I think it's really about just telling the truth. And I think that, to your point, the other good thing about being yourself is that people are more accepting of your mistakes. I mean, we make many. As a brand, we make so many mistakes, like shipping, warehousing, like you name (laughs) it, marketing, the the lot. Um, And I have been known to send public letters or personal phone calls to people when we've made big mistakes. And I wear it and I acknowledge it and... And I think that helps because people are more forgiving because they know that I'm literally just human. Behind this Instagram page, it's pretty much me. So, yeah. Up next, you're going to hear a little bit less on the charity and giving and, and, and authenticity side, a little bit more on the social marketing side uh, as we look at social media and impact and so forth right after yeah. I do want to tell you about PeopleVox, which is the warehouse management system for high-growth brands and retailers. Now, do you want the complete control of your brand and customer experience? Are you interested in finding out how Shopo implemented PeopleVox in their new DC in just five weeks? Schedule a review of your operation today with PeopleVox's fulfillment experts over at, guess where? PeopleVox.com. That's PeopleVox.com. All right, so let's talk social marketing, not from the charity or giving standpoint, but let's talk about starting a conversation, building a community. You know, we could have a hundred different conversations about this, but I think the one that personally that we should be having, uh, Olivia and Travis, is this. How are you thinking? Because usually these conversations don't come from like someone sits there and goes, okay, here's all the conversations we need to have over the next five years. They come organically. They come circumstantially. They come when someone has a new idea and builds on something that happened before. And then you build from there. You say, hey, this is working. Let's do more of that. But there still has to be someone waving the baton and directing this flow of thinking. And your two brands have such a thoughtfulness behind them. How does that thoughtfulness of the DNA, the ethos of the brand, translate into the decisions of what kind of content you're going to put out there and thinking that's somehow going to grow community and result in engagement? Yeah, well, Is that a fair question? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. To start it off, um, as of 
well, recently in the past couple months, we've been talking more around how our customer service team can even be a big part of our social media platforms. And because they are the closest connected to our customers, they're there day in and day out having real conversations with these consumers. So we've been talking to them a lot around, well, A, of course, all of the responses need to be in line with our values, uplifting and empowering to women. And additionally, you need to be helpful and solve those problems because we don't want to be a brand that's just behind the mirror, behind a glass wall, for example. You want to be a brand that's very transparent and that they're coming to you on social media to have those conversations, to have that dialogue there. So you need to be able to facilitate that with your customers and um, make them know that on the other side of this brand, social media are people and people that are there willing to support and help them. So that's one of the journeys that we've been on. And additionally, you know, our live chat on our website is through Facebook Messenger because we feel like that's a very um, transparent way for people to communicate with us. And it's, they, but at the same time, they do expect responses to be instant. So you need to ensure that your customer service team is there to help them. Um, on the other side of it, in terms of the content that we're selecting for these social media channels, it again, it needs to be in line with um, uplifting, respecting women, um, and it, as well as just funny. We love posting humor. We want to post things that resonate with them about their life and difficulties that um, women are going through. And we love it. You know, we just posted one the other day. It was a meme. Memes are very in. Um, it was a meme, and it just had uh, 6,000 likes, where, for example, our typical post for us would have a few hundred likes. And it wasn't a product post. It had nothing to do with selling our products. It was just we wanted to connect with our customer and we knew this meme would do it. We posted it and they're off the back of that. 6,000 likes later, over a couple hundred comments later as well. And we just want to engage with them. We want to engage with them on a personal level, whether it's about our product or just about something that's going on in their life. We want to be there for it and for those different moments as well. And then I'm going to answer with a few more, I guess, tools. Like I'm all about the startup. So anyone listening to this, I love to give tools that we also use at work. So I think one of the most important things for us when we're planning out or, you know, thinking about how we're going to talk to our community um, is definitely making sure that we plan. So we actually use a tool called Planoly. Planoly is a really easy, very highly visual tool. Um, a lot of established brands will know this. Um, but what it does is it allows us to, as a team, to look at, you know, what our grid's going to look like. We set our grid out six weeks in advance. So we can all, as a team, again, we get customer service involved because we also call out our mistakes. Like there are times where, you know, that's got to go in your feed. So a call out to a brand that's also run by a woman is called Word Fetty. Um, they have so many amazing resources. You can, they're actually copywriters based in Brisbane. Um, we actually use their manuals. They actually have like a Bible for how to talk nicely to customers. So, you know, this whole balance between obviously there are times where it's appropriate. You have to talk about sales or maybe you have to talk about a promo you're having. But usually 85% of the time, it's like how do you really reach and engage with them? And we've found these resources that they offer, which are really quite cost effective, um, really quite a nice solution for us to then go away as a team and say, you know what? I really like that where they say, you know, you're not selling a mattress, you're selling a good night's sleep. Now, that sounds really simple, but when you then go back and reflect on your own grid and you're like, oh my God, I've been selling mattresses. Like, you know, they know we sell mattresses. Now, we don't sell mattresses. I'm just using that as a, like an example. But we went back and we like, we were horrified and almost embarrassed how much sales lingo we'd gotten the habit of using when that's not really what we needed to do. Like we have paid advertising for that, right? Instagram is not really the place where you spend 85% of your time selling 
it's 85% of the time. You you know, when people go on Instagram, it's because they've had a big day or they're, you know, they've got five minutes in between doing stuff during the day. It's a place they go to unwind and, and yet we were just shoving stuff in their face. Again, admitting, you know, that we make errors. We were doing that for way too long and, and thank God we, you know, we found these guides because... Yeah, when you actually stop and look at it, it's it can be quite embarrassing as a brand owner to be like, oh, didn't realise how like aggressive we were on the pushy sales, even though they might have looked pretty, right? It makes, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. You even think about LinkedIn was talking about how um, you're going to get the greatest traction on LinkedIn when people see pictures of people that they know. Mm-hmm. And, and not it's not about the information. It's about the recognition that that matters to me and someone I know matters to me and and that's on LinkedIn, mm. not Instagram. So I can imagine with Instagram, what you're saying makes perfect sense. When you're at a place like this uh, online retailer, I know you have your certain missions here on your own, but I imagine this is also an opportunity to put your ear to the ground and see what other brands are doing, one. Mm. And second of all, look at innovations or new technology that can help you go solve a problem, achieve a mission, or uh, or go to the next level, maybe uh, look at trying to be ahead of the curve for the consumer in 2020 mm-hmm. versus now. So my question is, what kinds of things are on your minds right now that, that, that can either solve actual e-commerce issues or social marketing friction, problems, or just to amplify what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Do you have things in mind that you're, you're always on the prowl for trying to solve? Um, is it okay if it's more around e-commerce or social media? Yeah, well, as of recent, um, we've had this thought process as well around, you know, when customers are coming to our website, every customer is unique and different, yet we're typically showing them the same content. We have the same homepage for them, the same collection merchandising for them. And so we just started talking to companies around personalizing even the collection views. So there's no reason necessarily that recommendations need to be at the bottom of the website when those are the most personalized pieces you have for customers. So we just um, started on that journey about a week ago. And I saw a sign of someone here at Online Retailer. And I thought, hmm, it said AI at the end of it. I thought, hmm, maybe. So I went up and started talking to them. And it turned out that they um, do exactly that. They um, facilitate an AI engine that will show different customers unique merchandising based on what products they're interacting with on the website. So that's something that we've been thinking about. It's definitely top of mind for me. So that's where I just wanted to share that with, uh, with people out there and just let them know that that is available now. It's um, something that's becoming more and more prevalent. People always throw out the word personalization, but that's a really tangible way to do it is to show people products on your site that's personalized for them and it doesn't need to just be in the recommendation section it can be in your typical collection view as well and then I guess for myself just given the maturity you know the fact that we are still very much a startup I come to these events very much as the student I really don't come here as the speaker Um, I, I come here to take in as much as I can I try and get into as many sessions as I can I go I literally do speak to you know, I'm not across all of the new technology because I'm still learning about technology. So I really do come here with the intention to learn, just like everyone else here, um, what I can. And then for me, I guess personally as the, the founder, it is more about I have 
actual people that I will have profiled and, and have known for the last year at least that I want to go and speak to. And then I just do it. And I mean, I, I know that sounds really basic, but so many people would love to say like today, Naomi Simpson from the Red Balloon would probably be sitting there thinking, oh my God, she's amazing. I'd love to go and ask her this, but they just don't. No, I go and I go to the lunch and I make sure I pull up and I sit right next to her and I ask if this seat is taken and then I politely ask the questions that I want to ask. Um, I think just not being scared to actually approach. Same with Tony Nash from Booktopia. You know, I went up to him today and I said, you changed my business two years ago. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I heard you speak, you know, at a, at a retail conference and you talked about this 30, 30% year-on-year growth and I was very much still in the whole, like, you know, unicorn phase of, wow, like this business can go anywhere. And what that meant is I had huge goals, but no structure financially. I said, I went away from that and I I set new financial goals to the business. And now what's happened is, you know, this year we made our first profit. And he was, you know, as if you wouldn't be as a human, really, you know, feeling chuffed to know that you've touched someone's life. So I definitely come here to learn, but learn with purpose. Like definitely don't be scared. Just walk up to that person. I mean, Naomi actually said in this uh, meeting, that she's going to go and talk to people because people won't come and talk to her, which is just interesting. All right, thank you. I'm going to close on this question and then give you an opportunity to have a a final thought, and you as well, Oliver, if you'd like. Um, This may seem a a strange question, but there's there's nothing wrong with wishing. If there was anyone in the world that's living, anyone, anywhere, could be celebrity, could be business mogul, could be family, it doesn't matter, that you would just find great joy in them working with you on the company. Who would that be? The first one that comes to mind isn't actually a celebrity, but it was someone that I saw speak. It doesn't speak. have to be a celebrity. Yeah, it was someone that I saw speak at an event probably about two years ago now. And I sadly can't tell you his name. I just know he was the founder of a company called Thinkerbell. And it was this agency just around doing the impossible and really setting these for our missions and innovative thinking. And I just thought, wow, to have a guy like that come in-house and just re, just shake everything up and come up with new initiatives for your customers like that. Um, I just loved his ideas and the way he spoke on stage about customers and um, just revitalizing them as well in your community. I just, I loved what he had to say. So I think if he was able to come in the business just for a day or a couple of weeks wow. just to pick his brain on everything, then, That's yeah, cool. that'd be pretty amazing. By the way, the three founders of Thinkerbell are Ferrier. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not. Ben Cousins and Jim M. Ingram. Do you know which one it was? Ferrier? Okay. That sounds familiar. Gotcha. Yeah. That, very cool answer. Thank you. What, what about Mine's going to be completely left of field um, and not at all who people would probably expect. However, for me, the big part that I'm learning through this process is just how stressed you get as a founder and how crazy your world can get. I experienced anxiety for so the first the time Lama. in my life. The Dalai Was it really? It is. So I think, you know what, I know he wouldn't even speak, um, which is not the point, but I think what it would be is a great reminder that you actually just need to find stillness in your day. Um, I literally could have easily burnt out from this business. Second business I've had, I did burn out in yeah. my 20s in my first one. Yeah. Burnout's a huge problem that needs to be, you know, more recognized and I think he'd just be a good reminder to just, you know what, it'll all be okay. Like it will literally, whatever happens today, it's not the end of the world and it literally isn't the end of the world. That's awesome. And, and, and it seems to reflect so well with the, the type of brand that you've been running. 
Yeah. And uh, that's great. Uh, final thoughts. Any reflecting on this conversation, reflecting on your time so far here at Online Retailer or whatever you want to talk about, any pearls of wisdom you'd like to leave behind? Yeah, absolutely. I think today at Online Retailer, it's so important, as Olivia mentioned, to network, um, both for partners, but also with brands and owners, and even just employees of any brand around as well, because something that Esther does in our everyday is we partner with like-minded brands to facilitate these huge giveaways so that we can propel each other's brands forward. So this way, we can utilize each other's networks and our social media, et cetera, and showcase amazing brands to each other's customers. And I think that's so important as well to get behind not only your brand, but other brands as well with similar values. And it's a win-win for both brands involved. So that's where, you know, today after this, love to have a chat with Olivia to see how Esther & Co. and Silk can work together. Stay tuned. Um, and I would say that, look, you've invested more so your time to be here um, and time is more, more valuable than your money that you've paid to be here. So I really wouldn't leave this conference with one question unanswered. If there's one thing you've been walking around, whether it's a vendor, whether it's a speaker, whether it's, you know, maybe you want to speak next year. Why don't you just put your hand up and go and find someone and say, you know what, what's it going to take for me to actually... I know that was a goal for me. I remember going to my first conference going, that would be so amazing to talk. I never did it, but I wish I did. And I was fortunate enough that the business grew and I was asked. But, you know, it would have been really nice to raise the profile of the brand a year earlier. So just don't be scared. Do not leave with that one thing. You know, if it's a connection, if it's a, you know, if you want to do a collab with a brand, just go up and put yourself forward. Like the worst that can happen is they say no, and it's highly unlikely. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Oliver, you've been around the block. Do you have any pearls of wisdom that you'd like to share? Uh, yeah, so I would say my comparison is uh, the UK e-commerce market, and I've spent time in the US as well, um, and now I'm spending a lot of time in Australia and New Zealand. I would say uh, if you're not attending shows and you're not networking and you're not part of the ecosystem, particularly in Australia, you're really missing out on something. Um, I was super excited to be at the show because I've got connections through clients and I've got connections through people I found on LinkedIn. So again, I'd say like, it's all good. We're talking Instagram because we're trying to get consumers. But if you're trying to learn from the best people, the best business owners that I know are on LinkedIn and they're showing even more than what they're going to show on Instagram because they're trying to learn from each other. And yeah, coming here, there's two or three people that I know from LinkedIn relationships that I'm meeting here. And some of the talent and the know-how in Australia is amazing. There are some brands here doing stuff that is uh, on par and beyond what I've seen in the US and the UK. And you wouldn't necessarily think that because the markets are more mature over there. Um, So yeah, you've got a great ecosystem. I think you just need to make sure you're, you're part of it. And LinkedIn is the place to start doing that. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, Olivia, how can people connect with uh, you and your brand? Yeah, so obviously we're on Instagram um, and my personal Instagram is olivia.card.silk and I really do answer all DMs, so ask me anything. Thank you. Travis? Um, So yeah, um, Esther & Co. is at esther.com.au on Instagram and that's our website as well. Uh, And then you can find me on LinkedIn as Travis Wright, the GM at Esther & Co. Fantastic. Thank you both. And Oliver, do you want to show how people can connect with you? Uh, Unsurprisingly, I'm on LinkedIn. So Oliver Rhodes. All right. 
Well, uh, Oliver, thank you so much for joining in as a guest host. Really thank appreciate it. Thank you very much it. for having me. And uh, thank you to PeopleVox for powering this particular episode. And thank you, Travis and Olivia. It, w- it was a real joy and learned a lot. Thanks. Thank, thank you for the opportunity. All right. That's it for this episode. Really appreciate everybody listening. And thank you all in the live audience for being here. Also, on location at online retailer in Sydney, Australia. Until next time, have a great day, everybody. I'm Mark Rako. This has been Fashion Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2019. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at fashionisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network. The business of being heard.